Like I was, couldn't wait. I was excited. I was, it's a proud moment, but yeah, I was excited. I was like, dude, this is cool. I really love that you're doing this and, and getting a lot out of it. But yeah, there was that also that side of me that was constantly worried, uh, constantly worried because he was in another state. I couldn't control what was going on. He got into a car accident. I had to operate it immediately. And the, I went to the doctors and they actually thought that I had cancer. You know what, Nick? I'm, uh, I know what you're saying. I know you got to go through this, but we're getting you home today, period. And if I, that means I've got to charter a jet myself to get you home, I'm going to get you home. Uh, and, and we're going to get handled over here. Do us a quick favor, guys. Hit the follow subscribe button. Share this with someone who would benefit from it. And help us grow, as the more we grow, the better the episodes we get. Thanks guys for helping us, and let's get into the episode. And he's here. He is here. Cristiano has entered the building. Welcome, wherever you are, to the Old Trafford Theatre. Welcome back to this episode of the Sculptor Podcast, guys. Today... We are sitting down with Brian Ward, who is also known as the Dad Up Podcast. And it's a privilege for us to be speaking with Brian today. I think that it's going to be a very interesting episode. Probably an episode that we haven't really done before. It's, um, to be honest, most of the time we're speaking with people in the football, soccer world. But this is an interesting one because we're speaking with someone who is a dad, who is, his own podcast is based on being a dad, which is really cool. Uh, and yeah, Brian, thank you so much for being here today. And we'd love to get a bit of a introduction to you if that's okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you very much for, uh, inviting me, having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I was looking forward to this and always, I always encourage or, uh, appreciate, um, helping, not helping, helping's the wrong word, but being guests on other shows and, and, uh, just kind of helping the other podcaster really, um, get to their audience with, with the guests. So, uh, thank you very much for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. A little bit about myself. Uh, I have had my podcast now next week will be, uh, four years. Uh, so it's been quite a, quite a ride. Uh, but you know, I'm a dad and I've been a very dedicated, uh, devoted dad to my two boys. I got two boys that are now in their twenties. Uh, my older son's 24. My younger son is 22. Um, and my life has, my identity, I should say, has been, since they've been in my, in my, in my world, uh, has been a dad. That's been my identity. And I was, you know, I grew up in a loving home. My parents to this day are still together, over 50 years married, you know, all that. It's great. I went into the Marine Corps, spent uh, four years in the military, and then I got out and met my wife and we started having kids and the rest was history. Um, the reason I say that being a dad was really my identity because I did everything with my boys. I was around them. Uh, I participated in all the things that they did, whether it was school activities, parent-teacher conferences, open house, field trips, all that kind of stuff. I was always there um, because it was important to me. Uh, and I even coached every single one of the teams that they've played on from the ages of four all the way up through high school. Uh, I was I was one of their coaches. So that's how important it was to me to be a, an involved parent. Um, and, you know, fast forward to when my boys got a bit older and were getting ready to go off to college and do their own thing. Uh, 
I kind of felt like my identity uh, was over. Like my identity, I was losing my identity because my boys are going to grow up, go off and be independent young men. And then uh, it just, it hit me, Nick. It hit me like a ton of bricks. It made me feel like, um, like I was real. I was actually, I got very depressed. I was very down about it because this had been my identity for 20 years. And uh, so that is kind of the reason for the podcast. I had a couple people recommend that I start a podcast uh, to help other parents um, through face that are facing struggles or maybe challenges or uh, just to share their experiences. Uh, and that was really the reason for the show it was just kind of a way to inspire other parents to be good, to be great for their, for their kids. And, you know, it's a dad, it's, it's for dads. Uh, my tagline is for dads about dads being dads. And, but the crazy thing is, Nick, I have 60% of my audience is men and 40% is women. So I have a lot of moms that listen to my show, um, just to kind of get perspective on parenting. Um, and the show's taken me all over the place from, you know, I've spoken on stages, I've spoken at conferences, uh, I've been on radio, I've been on uh, in publications, I was uh, featured on CNN. I mean, all these different things have happened just because of starting this this podcast that was really just a hobby. And it's ultimately turned into a business. So here we are four years later, and um, over 200 episodes in, I do one episode a week, over 200 episodes in, I have a team of people now. Uh, I've got an editor now. I mean, I, I've got the whole, I never pictured it going this way. It was just kind of a hobby. Uh, and now it's just kind of manifested into this whole business. And I love it. It's something that I love to do. And not only that, it allows me to connect with other people from all over the world. I have dads that follow my show and dads that have been on my show from all over the world. Um, so it's just a lot of fun. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome it's amazing i think that it's it's a very interesting one the fact that for you your identity was in your boys and raising them and it's an interesting aspect when i think about it for myself where a lot of people in my area with football soccer sports they like to identify with their sport and as soon as they get detached by force or whether they choose to detach themselves from it they struggle a lot now, this is something that I always knew was an issue. Therefore, I've never really attached myself to anything specifically. But with that, I've also then been able to, I feel, give my 100% devotion to it as well. So I've had a unique approach because I've been aware that this can be a very damaging thing because, as you mentioned, for you, it, was, it wasn't easy. And it's a very interesting concept that people aren't necessarily aware of because instinctively, I think that we think that you know, to get the best result here, we have to associate with it so closely, just like you did with your boys. Being there at everything and, and having that as your identity, we naturally think that this is so important for us, although disassociating with it to a degree or being okay with separation or anything like that is also a reality that as humans we have to come with because life always wins. That's something that's we can control, we can influence as much as we can, but at the end of the day, for me, for example, I had a recent health scare. This is even one reason why I'm heading back home. I couldn't control that. I could influence it as much as I can, right? Whether it's looking after myself better or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I can only control so much of it. And the most of my control is actually my response and my reaction to it. So 
I'm, I'm excited to you know speak a bit more about it but let's get into the quick fire questions that i've got for you now feel free to pass True. any of them but we'll get into the first one so what is the best piece of parenting advice that you have ever received the best piece of parenting advice i ever received uh gosh which one <laughs> Uh, they are all, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of good parenting advice, uh, over the years. Uh, and one of the ones that I like to, uh, to kind of fall back on a lot is that kids, and this is, this is, uh, something that I learned very early on in not, I wish I'd learned it earlier. Uh, but I learned, learned it very early on in my podcasting years, but I had a, I had a guy that I was interviewing say to me that, uh, you know, kids spell love T-I-M-E. And that hit me because that is so true and so powerful that kids don't need, um, they don't need things, right? Tangible things uh, to feel important or connected with their parent. They really need time with them. And it could be something as simple as riding in the car with them, going for a ride in the car with them, or just taking a walk on in a park or uh, sitting down on the couch and reading a book that time that they spend with their parents is so valuable and that is their love. That's their way that they connect love uh, with their parents. So kids spell love T I M E is one of the most um, profound uh, things that uh, a parent can just remember uh, as they're raising kids, because uh, I I mean, it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Amazing. All right. The next question is, do you have a favorite family tradition? Do I have a favorite family tradition? Well, I don't know that I have a favorite family tradition, uh, but my wife certainly has a family tradition that she has uh, carried on and I've just kind of adapted and, and, and grown to appreciate it. But uh, it's, you know, it's a right around the holidays. It's right around Christmas time. And she does the whole uh, pajamas for Christmas Eve uh, gift. So we have to have the, all the same pajamas every single year. I don't, it's like I said, it's something that, those pajamas get worn once and then, and then that's it. Uh, so I think I've got like 47 pairs of pajamas that, you know, got worn once and uh, haven't been used since. But that is a tradition that she has uh, that sh- that I appreciate. Um, I will give you one more because as I say that, I, it brings up another one around the holidays, Christmas time. My, my uncle, who has now passed, uh, made a Christmas CD for us. Uh, that has all these old Christmas songs that are really just uh, just amazing. And so as a family, even my boys who are, you know, 24 and 22, my wife and I and my boys, we decorate the Christmas tree and we play that that CD every single year. That's just a family tradition that we enjoy, all four of us enjoy uh, to do together. So uh, those, are, those are two. Yeah, I actually have the exact same one with the Christmas tree decoration. My dad plays a Christmas playlist that his dad used to play when they were doing the Christmas tree. And now we always do it as well. So there's a a shared one there. That's cool. Um, The next question is, if you could have dinner with any historical figure, who would it be and why? Oh, man, that's a good one. Uh, That is a really good one. Uh, Well, I think for me... uh, just because of the way that I am as a person, the things that I've been around and what I choose to associate with. But for me, the person that I would like to have a meal with uh, is 
none other than Jesus Christ. And it's just one person that I would really just, I don't even know that I'd be able to talk, just sit there in awe and just have a meal with, uh, with our Lord and Savior. I, it's just something that, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be pretty powerful. Amazing. It would be. There's a lot of, a lot of lessons and, um, yeah, you kind of would be all shocked, I guess. You wouldn't really know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'd be like, has there been anything in my life that I've messed up on? Is he going to, is he going to yeah. uh, say anything about anything I've done in my life? You know, it'd just be all those things. Thoughts, those thoughts would be going through my head, but yeah. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. All right. What is the most important lesson that you've learned from your children? Oh my gosh. Uh, which one? Uh, again, we're talking about lessons, not only that we've learned from, you know, how to be a parent, but lessons that we've, I mean, our kids teach us lessons every single day. My, you know, my boys are in their twenties and they still teach me lessons about parenting. Uh, but one of the things that I learned the most from them is patience. I mean, patience is so crucial, especially when kids are younger. Um, you have to have patience. And, you know, as a coach for thou, I coached thousands of kids in my life, uh, when my kids were growing up, you know, between them and, and all the teams that I've coached, um, I had to learn patience pretty quick. Uh, because I'm dealing with a bunch of different personalities, thousands of different kids that I'm coaching over these years. So I've, I've really had to learn patience. But my boys really taught me that because there was a time I wasn't very patient. And there was a time that um, there was times in our household where things were, weren't as smooth as we would have liked them to be. Uh, and had I known that sooner, that just that kind of understanding of being more patient with my boys, had I known that sooner, um, I think things would have been a lot more smoother for them growing up as young kids growing up. So uh, patience, that's what I've learned from my boys. Yeah, interesting. I think that I've even tried to do some self-reflection in myself and look at my um, my dad and his patience for me and realize that, wow, I'm so impatient and his patience is teaching me that my impatience is bad, which has then <laughs> made me realize that I've got to be more patient at times. So that, that's very true i think especially with exactly. dads though. exactly dads do have a good level of patience um all right i'm gonna go through a few of the questions and, and, and skip them because i want to get into the next few questions but the, the last one that i'll ask is what is one piece of advice that you'd give to new parents uh the one piece of advice i would give to new parents is the obvious one that probably every parent hears sometime in their life when they're raising kids is don't blink it's amazing to me that uh, I can think back to when my boys came home from the hospital uh, and how how uh, real that memory is, like it happened yesterday. And yet, you know, for my older son, it was 24 years ago. Um, time goes by and we have to understand that time is short. And uh, the time that we have with our kids... Um, is precious and valuable. Uh, and we have to understand that because it goes by so fast, we have to be willing to, um, embrace every single minute of every single day that we can with our kids. Um, because there'll be a day when, and I'm facing it, there'll be a day when your kids will be grown and off on their own and doing their own thing and living their own life. And if you don't appreciate the time, that you spent with them, you're going to regret some of the, some of the struggles or some of the challenges or regret some of the times that you didn't spend with them uh, that you wish you could have back. 
So time is what I would tell parents don't blink because um, it goes by fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings me into the next point, which is I want to ask you a little bit about your boys and them going off to college because I, one episode that I listened of yours was talking about the time when the the person who was actually interviewing you, or maybe was you were interviewing them, there were, you had a conversation about letting your kids go and leaving the nest. And that's something very prevalent in my own life. And I can tell you a little bit more after I want to hear about your story with your kids and them going off to college. What was that like for you? Because that's, from what I've gathered, a difficult thing for you when your identity is so wrapped in that. So what was that like? Was it, was it emotional? Can you go into that a bit into depth? Yeah. Um, you know, my, my younger son is a senior in college right now, so he's actually away. Uh, my older son has since graduated college and, and works in, um, in sales in you know, the corporate America. And he is, uh, he's doing very well, uh, for himself, uh, as a young man. Um, but the time that they go off to college is, it's pretty powerful because we're so used to our kids being around us and living in our homes. And, uh, you know, we're essentially, we're essentially around them, you know, all day, every day, every night, every weekend. And then all of a sudden it's poof, it's gone because they've gone off to college. Um, it can be scary, uh, not only for the parent, but also for the child. The child's going through these uh, emotions, these anxious emotions of what to expect, what's it gonna be like. Uh, there's that bit of excitement of living on their own and being away from mom and dad, but at the same time, there's a bit of that fear of, oh no, I am away from mom and dad. They're not here to, to help me at every minute that I may need help. They're not here to help me. Um, so it's scary. Um, what makes it even more challenging is if you have a child that goes away to college, in, maybe in another state or long distance. Um, you know, my boys went into another state to go to college. And so it was a bit of a di bit of a distance. Now it's like five hours driving time. I could drive to, to, to my son in five hours, but it's still, it's another state in the United States. It's another state. So, um, it is scary in that, uh, I always want to know, is he okay? You know, even, even though he's a senior in college, he's 22 years old. I know he's, I know he's got a good head on his shoulder. I know he knows what he's doing, but I always want to know if he's okay. Uh, and that if anything happens, um, what, how soon can I get to him if I need to? Uh, those kind of worries happen for me in my life, uh, with my boys being off, you know, with my younger son now being off at college, but it is a scary emotional time. Um, I think dads probably have less of a struggle with it than moms do. Um, because, you know, especially when you're dealing with, you know, boys, those are, you know, those are my wife's, those, my boys are my two, my, my wife's, uh, you know, they're, they're her babies. So when they're off at college, she tends to be a little bit more emotional about it. Dads, dads kind of have a little proud sense to him. Like, Hey, yeah, my boy's off on his own. He's doing good, blah, blah, blah. You know, so good for him, that kind of thing. But yeah, there's still that emotional sense behind it. And it's, and it is scary. So any parents that have kids like that, that are going through college or about to go off to college, um, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And as long as you have a good, 
solid foundation and a good solid um, bond and uh, relationship with them, uh, it's going to be okay. Yeah, interesting. Now, one question that I have that popped up in my head as you were saying that was, you mentioned that it's scary for them as well. Now, how do you foster that into your kids from a young age so that they have that dependence? Because one thing that you'll hear from my story is my parents had this trust in me from a young age, very young age, to let me go and do what I wanted to. Now, I believe that I built that trust in them. But when I go and compare that to other kids my age, I don't think that their parents would have that same trust in them. So how do you actually instill that into your kids so that you can then trust them to do whatever they want to do, essentially? Well, I think, you know, I think it uh, starts slow. Uh, like you said, it's the building of the trust. Um and obviously, if they have a good, um, if, the, if, if the child lives in a good, hum, loving home uh, with a good, solid foundation of family uh, and relationship with their parents, um, I think that that kind of letting them go and explore or do things independently is okay. But it has to be in little bits and you have to start off small. Uh, and, you know, that starts in their teenage years, right? When, when our kids are teenagers, they want to start to experience the independence and doing things on their own. And, and they're trying to discover who they are and who they want to become. And allowing them to do that is healthy to a certain extent. Like I said, there has to be boundaries around it. There has to be rules and guidelines in place. And it's not to, um, to you know, control them. It's more to protect them. And so, yes, Obviously, the you know we teach our kids at a very young age don't talk to strangers, all those kinds of things, right? But when our kids are starting to be independent and they're starting to do things on their own, there has to be some rules and some guidelines put in place, and they have to be willing to follow those those guidelines. When I grew up, and I wanted to go hang out with my friends and go do things with my friends, my dad, my mom and dad would say, "Yeah, that's fine, but you know the rules. When you leave one place and go to another, you make sure you give us a call and let us know so we know where you're at. Obviously, back then there weren't no cell phones, so uh, it was very difficult to get a hold of people. So you had to call them and let them know. So I had to call my parents and let them know if I was leaving one house and going to another, if I was leaving a house and going to the park with some friends or something like that. And then the other rule was I had to be home when the street lights came on. So when the street lights started to come on outside, I knew I had to be home. Uh, so those were the rules. And if I didn't follow them, then there's going to be a limit on what I get to do the next time. And that has to apply today. It's all about just protecting our kids and um, letting them learn responsibility. So yes, being independent is important because it teaches our kids what's going to, what it's going to be like when they're out on their own as adults. There's some other things in there that they'll have to learn as they grow, but um, allowing them to explore their independence is totally healthy and totally natural as long as they respect the boundaries and the rules that you've put in place. Interesting. All right. Now, this might throw a spatter into the works. I, myself, never had any rules placed on me. Now, hmm. this is where I would say back to you, maybe you can reflect and think about this so the reason why I think that my parents never put any rules on me is because all of those boundaries I actually put on myself. Mm -hmm. For example, I wouldn't go out to friends. I wouldn't actually go and spend time with friends unless I was doing the things that I was, for example, football training or mm -hmm. 
getting better. I wasn't irresponsible. I never was in trouble. I would never be doing things that would be getting me in any dangerous situations. Therefore, my parents never needed to put any restrictions on me. I would never go out. I would never come back late. I was also probably not old enough for them to put restrictions on me because when I first left home, I was 15. So that in itself kind of restricted me to go out. But then I'm living by myself at the age of 15. I can do whatever I want now because I'm 15 and I'm living by myself. So what do you think? Now, I'm asking you to reflect on a situation you might not have much awareness on. But if you were my parents and... My parents are very loving. I have amazing parents. You know, we always say we have the best parents in the world, but I think my parents are amazing because they let me do this at such a young age. But I think that there has to be a degree of trust they've put in me, but they see that it's because I've put those boundaries in place for myself. Do you kind of understand what I mean by that? Yeah. I think that um, for you in particular, um, I'm going to, I knew that your parents were very loving uh, because I could just sense that. In what in the way you're explaining it, and the fact that you held you had a higher level of responsibility put on you that you personally put on yourself, and it was because you appreciated and loved your parents so much that you didn't want to disappoint them. So there's the difference between what I'm talking about and what you experienced. You experienced a sense of you already were mature and had a sense of responsibility to yourself. Uh, and that's because of the way you were brought up. Your parents knew at a very young age as you were growing up that, yeah, we have a good kid here. He's got, he's a good boy. He's responsible. He's mature for his age. And so maybe they didn't feel the need to put those responsibilities because they already trusted you. Number two is you had such a profound love for your parents that you didn't want to disappoint them. You didn't want to have them worry about you. And so the way that you do that is making sure that you do what's right and you live your life right. And if you do that, you're always going to have that sense of proudness and appreciation from your parents. That's exactly why you did that. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Now, the tricky thing is, right, is when I have this love for my parents, I don't want to disappoint them because I know that my dreams and everything are only able to happen because of them but then also mm-hmm. then my dream is leaving them which is counterintuitive mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a very tough hurdle to get over right because when my dream is so big and they're completely involved in that they're letting me do them but then the dream is actually me leaving them that's a very very tricky one to get around and that kind of brings me to the next point which is talking about the emotional roller coaster. Because for me, when I, you know, go back home even for a holiday to Australia, I'm in Budapest right now. I've been living in Germany for the past year and a half. And then before that I was in Germany again. It's it's crazy, right? And for you, you said that your boys were one of your boys were five five hours away in the next state. It's maybe for you I I believe that the amount of hours it is for someone doesn't really matter. I think that just distance, full stop, it's the same. Whether it's 17,000 kilometers or whether it's 5,000, whether it's 500 kilometers, I think it's the the separation. Correct. Doesn't have to do with the, you know, the amount of kilometers. So how how did you navigate the, the emotional terrain when we're discussing, you know, 
leaving? I think um, times for us now are so different because we have this wonderful thing called the advancement of technology and the way that we're able to stay connected with people that are so, look at you're completely in another country and we're sitting here having a conversation like we're in the same room together. So the, the fact that we're able to do that makes it so much easier for parents to allow their kids to go, you know, to another state or to another country to fulfill their dream. Um, and the other thing you have to keep in mind is they're adults. So yeah, it may be emotionally hard for you, but unfortunately this is part of life and this is part of what your job is as a parent. Your job as a parent is to raise productive human beings to be productive members of society to go off and essentially leave the nest to fulfill their life's calling or their life's goals or their dreams, whatever those the case may be. So that day is going to come, whether it's when they're 18, whether it's when they're 15, or whether it's when they're 25, that day is going to come. So you just have to uh, prepare for it, accept it, and appreciate it, and be proud that you raised, this is the way I looked at it. I'm proud of the fact that I raised boys that are good young men that, you know, they, for the most part, they don't, they don't do wrong. They're, they, they know what the difference between right and wrong. They respect authority. They respect the law. All those kinds of things apply. So I was at a more peace with, I don't like to say letting, cause letting is not the right word, but I was more at peace with them going off and doing their own thing in another state, you know, going to college. Um, so that's, I mean, it's all good. That stuff's going to come, but you just have to, uh, you just have to understand that technology is phenomenal. And my wife and I, you know, my son's in another state and he's in going through a senior year of college right now. And obviously we, te we talk to him every single day through text constant. I mean, I'm constantly on the phone with him via text. We're talking about sports. I mean, we're talking about all kinds of different things. We do that all day long. Uh, and then in the evening time, when my wife and I are together, we'll FaceTime with him and we'll sit there and chat with him. Like we're in the same room. And that's just, that's, that's, it's so awesome. That's the cool thing about, you know, technology. It's allowed us to have these close connections and relationships with our kids, even when they may be, they might be thousands of miles away. Um, so for you and your parents, yeah, it was, it may have been, you may have been excited to be out on your own and experience life away from your parents. Um, it doesn't mean you weren't sad about it. It doesn't mean you weren't sad to leave your parents. Of course you were sad to leave your parents, but it was something that you wanted to do. You felt like, you, you felt like, yes, this is what I was supposed to do. I'm supposed to go do these things in my life and figure myself out and figure out what I want to do with myself or with my life. And your parents have to accept that. And the more that they accept that, the better your relationship and their relationship with you will be. Period. Full stop. <laughs> sorry, you just cut out on my end. Um, oh. I didn't hear what you said at the end, sorry. Oh, I just said, I just said period, full stop. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, um. I think technology... For, for my parents, has been a lifesaver. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's been very important. 
uh, with, you know, keeping communication there. For my parents, it's very important communicating, of course. Just like you were saying how you're constantly messaging your boys, right? And you want to, you know, for me even, I want to know what my parents are doing. I want to know what's happening with my sister. I want to know all these things, right? For me, it's difficult. I have the time difference. I've got a 10-hour time difference, which makes it even harder because I only have maybe the morning to speak to them, right? Right. I think that it would be much easier if, and maybe less arguments would happen if it was a shared time zone because we're both able to, you know, have dinner together and we're all relaxing. But their downtime is my busy time. And this is something that always clashes right. and it makes it tough. It's annoying. For me, it's annoying. For them, it's annoying because they don't get the best version of me. And it's difficult. It's difficult. And this kind of brings me on to the, the next question that I've got, which is, do you think that distance can actually grow love? Because for me, I actually think that my relationship with my parents got better through the trust through the distance and maybe that's just a natural progression that happens over time right if i'm comparing my myself and my relationship with my parents at the age of 15 and the age of 19 i think naturally the relationship's gonna you know progress in a good way considering it was always there uh but do you think that the distance in itself could also generate an appreciation because for me i think that it did generate this appreciation uh, and humanization of the parents that maybe i didn't have prior yeah, uh, I think it can go. Honestly, Nick, I think it can go both ways. Um, I think that 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 sense of appreciation and love can grow uh, and become stronger because you realize uh, it's like that kind of thing. You don't realize what you have until it's gone. That kind of uh, approach. That's like, hey, mm. I was I was around my parents basically twenty four seven, and now I'm separated from them, and I miss them so much. It makes my love for them even you know, more powerful or, more, or stronger. Um, but at the same time, it can have the opposite effect. Uh, you could, you could have an amazing relationship with your, with your parents, uh, or a parent can have a relationship with amazing relationship with their kid. But the second they go off and they're on their own and the kid is not as responsive, the kid, the child is, you know, maybe getting into trouble or not uh, responding to texts. I mean, that, that, that bond or that relationship could actually start to, um, start to get corrupted uh, because of the distance that there is between, you know, the child and the, and the parent. Um, the parent will always love the child. I don't know. There will always be that deep love both ways, the parent and the child. But the parent will always love the child. I don't know that if the relationship was broken down due to distance, I don't know that the child would always love the parent. Um, and that's okay. That's not something that, that uh, can't be fixed. That can be, uh, that can be fixed. But for you in particular, um, yeah, you had this sense of so much love and appreciation for your folks, for your parents, that when you did leave, uh, it made you appreciate them even more. It made you appreciate the sacrifices they made for you that much more, you know, that much, that, it just made them do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it can go both ways, Nick, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, one thing that you mentioned at the beginning in the quick fire questions was Jesus. Now, that brings me on to a question that I have for you is if I'm assuming that you're religious, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, what, what and how much of a role did that have 
in dealing with all of these, uh, I can't say issues, but things that arise with the difficulties of being separated from your kids. Because for me, it was one of the biggest assets that I had in my corner was my faith and my religion. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the exact mm -hmm. same for my parents as well. So was that yeah. something that was very prevalent in you as well? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that any time, at the end of the day, listen, let me just say this. I grew up in a household that wasn't very religious. I grew up, my parents, my mom grew up Catholic, but she never went to church a day in her life. Uh, my dad did not have a religion when he grew up. He didn't even know to this day, uh, he doesn't even know if Jesus exists. So he's kind of on that, that, you know, he kind of falls on that line. Um, but for me, I grew up because I grew up with parents like that. Uh, and because of the friends that I hung out with as a kid, all the friends that I hung out with as a kid went to church, all of them, they all had church that they went to every weekend. And so for me, I was exposed to the relationship uh, with Jesus and the church uh, from my friends, not from my parents, believe it or not. And I, I got that experience, not because I wanted it. Uh, and I say this, I'm just being candid, not because I wanted that experience or that relationship. I merely wanted to hang out with my friends. And I knew that in order to be able to hang out with my friends on a Sunday, I had to go do what they were doing. And what they were doing was going to church with their parents. So I had to do those things if I wanted to hang out with my friends. So that's how I got my exposure. Now, fast forward to when I was in the military, uh, there were times where I was going to church on my own. And I think it's because of the relationship that I built with uh, my relationship with my faith uh, that I built over the years of, you know, what I went through as a child. Um, when my wife, my wife grew up, she grew up uh, Catholic. Uh, and when we started having kids, that was a very important part of our life was having the, having our boys have the relationship with their, uh, with our, with our heavenly father. And so when we had kids, we wanted to make sure that that relationship was strong. And how did we do that? We just made sure that my wife and I took our boys to church and got that experience of praying and reading the Bible uh, at a very young age. Now, here you are fast forward to when our boys are now adults and my son is a senior in college. He goes off to college. He's still going to church on his own. My wife and I went to visit him a couple weekends back for the weekend and he took us to his church that he goes to on his own. We don't ask him to go to church. He goes to church on his own. Uh, which is because of the relationship that he built with Jesus and because of our influence and how he was raised. Um, that's why he is the way he is today. Um, now, going back to what you were saying in your question, uh, yes, the challenging times are when we really, we really should be leaning into our faith and praying and relying on our Heavenly Father constantly. But it seems like a lot of people... And when they're going through tough times, that's when they try to pray. That's when they try to ask Jesus for help is when they're really struggling with something. Well, you should be doing that all the time. But to answer your question, yeah, I mean, of course, I 
made sure my wife and I were praying over our boys when they were away. We made sure that we were asking uh, our Lord to help us get us through the struggles of the emotional challenge and struggle that we're going through with having our boys uh, away. Of course, that was part of our, our that was part of our everyday life. Um, and that's, I'm a firm believer in that's what helped us stay positive and confident and um, trusting in our boys, you know, doing the things that they need to do away from home, away from us. So yeah, it was a very important part of our lives. Yeah. I know I answered, I answered a long, I, I went, I went no, no, long about way of answering yes. your question, but. <laughs> no, I, I really liked actually the point where you mentioned that your son took you to his church. I think that's really cool because yeah, you can see that he's actually taken accountability for it, right? If I was you in that situation, you know, I'd be smiling. I'd be, now I'd be like, I did something, I did something good here, you know? Oh, it's a sense of accomplishment. Oh, Nick, I'm telling you right now, um, knowing that my son goes to church on Sunday uh, with a couple of his buddies from school. They, the, and, it's, and it's crazy, this little church that they go to, it's in a little strip, strip mall kind of place in, in, in the state. In, they're in Arizona, uh, in Arizona where he goes to school. Uh, and 80% of the, of the, the um, members that go to the church there are students of the school that he goes to. So um, it's really cool to see the environment he's in but he goes every single Sunday. And on top of that, he goes to a men's Bible study group on Wednesdays. So it's really cool that he's doing those things. I mean, last night I tried to text him. Actually, I tried to FaceTime him last night and he didn't answer. And it was unusual. So I said to my wife, I said, oh, Brett's, uh, he's obviously busy or he's got something going on. She goes, no, he's at, he's at Bible study. I go, oh yeah, it's men's That's right. I forgot. So he, he does those things on his own. And yes, the day that we went to visit him, the weekend that we went to visit him, and he said, hey, um, I hope you guys don't mind, but I would like to take you guys to show you guys my church that I go to every Sunday. I was like, I was couldn't wait. I was excited. I was, it's a proud moment, but yeah, I was excited. I was like, dude, this is cool. I really love that you're doing this and, and getting a lot out of it, so. Yeah, that's amazing. Very, very cool. Uh, I think that for me, and I think about it with, with my parents as well, I I think the best way to kind of, I would say I would say it's very rewarding as a parent to see that. I always try and speak with my parents about, you know, my faith and things like that so that I kind of give them a sense of accomplishment. I think it also just builds that trust that we're talking about because I feel like that when you see your son building that relationship with God, you then also start to think about the accountability that he's taken in all areas of his life. If he's taking this seriously, this is, this can, you know, this is a massive part of his life. Obviously he's going to take other things seriously. So that's even building trust in itself. And now this is where for, for most of my listeners, they're young football players like myself. They might want to be playing football overseas in Europe, um, just like myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that just for the listeners right now, a, a tip to foster the relationship and trust with your parents is to just take responsibility because just like Brian said with his son that he took responsibility for his situation, which gave a large sense of trust and it's very rewarding. And when your parents are able to see that, okay, he's taking accountability here and there, then that trust mm-hmm. will help actually let 
you know, let the the kids chase their dreams and, you know, take the next step mm-hmm. in, in their life. And that's a very important thing because if we don't have that trust from our parents reciprocated, then our parents could hold us back potentially. Or our parents could just not really give too much of a, you know, them about us. And we, we just go under the radar. We don't take things too seriously. And that's just not a, it's just not the best way of doing it. Uh, which this, this also brings me on to the next question that I've got for you, Brian, which is you mentioned that there was a four year age difference between your boys. Was it? Yeah, my, um, no, uh, two. Uh, so my older son's 24, uh, my, and he'll, my older son will be 25 at the end of November. Uh, my younger son just turned 22, um, about half ago. See three. Well, on a, wait, three years. Yeah, it's two and a, two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay. So, when your first son went off to college, I would assume this would have been your hardest one because I don't. From what from what our conversation is saying, it didn't seem like you were too prepared for this. But obviously, your second son, he went off to college afterwards, and I would assume that your preparation would have been better. And I may be wrong. Maybe it was the exact same. Maybe it was worse. I don't know. If you could go into that a little bit more and maybe telling the listeners, for example, what you actually did to either adjust, improve, or keep it the exact same, whatever that preparation looked like. What was that? Yeah. Um, You know, my situation was a little different in that um, my older son, you're absolutely right. When my older son went off to college, um, that was probably more challenging and more scary and more, um, you know, I don't know if scary is the right word, but I I guess I'll use it Um, for me as a parent uh, and for my wife as well, that, Hey, it's our first child. He's going off on his own and we have to uh, accept that. Yeah, this is, this is how it works. This is, this is how life happens. I mean, they grow up and they are supposed to go out and do what they're supposed to do. Now for me as a dad, I have that sense of proudness and that sense of, uh, Hey, uh, this is what he's supposed to do. I did what I was supposed to do as a dad. I raised him and made him who he is and helped him to understand responsibility and be mature. And now he's going to go prove himself by doing it. Um, so there was that sense of proudness in me, but yeah, there was that also that side of me that was constantly worried, uh, constantly worried because he was in another state. I couldn't control what was going on. Uh, he got into a car accident was when he was over in there and it was a pretty bad car accident. And he, it was a scary time because he called me up and it was in the middle of the day. He called me up and he's still in the car when he called me and he's screaming on the phone because he had just been, he had basically been T-boned by another car. Uh, and so he was panicked and he'd never been through anything like that before. So for me, I mean, imagine a parent picking up the phone and hearing your child screaming that they just got into a serious car accident and you're five hours away from them. Now, what do I do? Right? So that level, I mean, there's that side of it. That's scary. There's that side of it. Um, I mean, we, he was all right. Everything worked out to be okay. My wife and I got to him like right away. Um, everything worked out, but there's that side of it. Um, so yeah, the first one was really tough. Um, when my second son went to college, his experience was a little different because he uh, played college basketball. And uh, so he had a scholarship to play uh, in college. 
and the school that he was going to play at is actually only 20 minutes from my house. So he was 20 minutes away. Uh, so his experience uh, for us was really cool because we know he's 20 minutes away and he can come home in the evening time and have dinner with us or he can come home for the weekend and hang out with us or we can go just pop over and just say hi because he's 20 minutes away. Um, so it made it very easy for us to have him go off to college and do his thing. Uh, but after two years of playing college basketball, he got burned out and didn't want to play college basketball anymore. He wanted to just kind of, you know, pursue other things. And he just wasn't, he wasn't fired up about it anymore. Uh, and because of that, uh, I told him, I said, you know, you're going to lose your scholarship, which means now I can't afford to send you to that school. So we're going to have to switch you schools. And that's why he's in Arizona now. He's going to the same school that my son, my older son went to. So when that transition happened, I think because of all the stuff that we had gone through uh, with my older son going through four years of being, you know, in another state. Uh, but the fact that he only had to spend two years in Arizona, my younger son only spent two years in Arizona. He's there for his senior year right now. So it's his last year. Uh, made it a little bit easier uh, because he's only there for two years, not four. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I hope I answered your question, but it was uh, much, much easier for my second son uh, when he when he was uh, going off to college. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's never an easy thing, right? It's always going to be different challenges and different obstacles. And you mentioned how, I guess... With your with your first son and the the incident that happened with him, it it's scary. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you a little bit about the scare that I had because it's. I think that when there is you know you're away for so long, there's gonna there's gonna be a scare. There's always gonna be a scare because, for example, I've been away for a year and a half. If I was back home with my parents, there's gonna be a scare there as well. So the likelihood of me having a scare by myself alone in another country is actually higher. Because I don't have that safety. I'm doing things on my own. I'm paying for everything myself. Maybe I have to skip out here and there a few times on, you know, accommodation. It can be scary. I've had a few close calls. One time I was in Frankfurt, Germany, and there was a gunman on the loose. And he's running around the hotel. And I'm just in my room waiting to get confirmation that I can even leave the hotel room to go to my trial with the biggest one of the biggest teams in Germany. And I'm there just waiting, hoping that I can actually leave this place. And my parents, I didn't even tell my parents because I was like, if I tell my parents this right now, right. they're going to say, right. you need to stay in this hotel, never stay in that hotel again. And I'm going to have to pay 20 times more the price. So I was like, okay, I'm only going to tell them afterwards because I don't want to even put them through that amount of stress. But then the right. other scary incident is... The, the most scary one you could probably have was you're overseas by yourself, which is the word of the doctors and they actually thought that I had cancer. So I had to, I had to get operated immediately. And again, I, that's such a difficult phone call to make to your parents. It's, I, I, I dreaded it. You know, I'm thinking, um, um, I, I before the appointment, I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? Because I had this instinct that it was cancer. I always believed that it was cancer. And me going into it, I had already convinced myself. And I was thinking, how do I say this to my parents? What's it going to be like? There's so many difficulties. Just even 
thinking about this being an option. And I spoke with my parents and I, I just was 100% honest with them. And I was trying to be as transparent as possible. And I, and I said, I don't think it's good. I, I'm scared. And I don't want you guys to be all positive about it. I don't want you to think about the best case scenario. I was actually saying, I, I think most people also do lean towards thinking positive about it. I think that most people would go, okay, no, it's not cancer, don't worry. But I actually didn't think that was the best way of doing it. I actually said to my parents, don't try and convince me that it's not cancer because I would rather me believe that it is and me, me be okay with the result when it comes so that it's not a shock and we just go with that plan that I chose. So I, I spoke with them. We created a plan for each variable and whatever variable it was, we acted upon. And there was a sense of peace because when I woke up from the surgery, and I didn't know where I was. I asked the doctors. I was just lying in my bed. And I'm in Germany, right? I'm speaking a foreign language. I didn't even know what I was going into. And I wake up and I'm I'm just looking around. And I'm like, where am I? I was so confused. And I just knew that, okay, whatever happens, I can't control. But I can control my response. I've gone with my family. I've gone through the, the variables. And I've whatever happens, I, I'm in control of. But that's a very difficult thing for my parents to go through because they've got no, they've got less control than me because I can at least control what I do after the surgery, but they can't control what I do after the surgery, right? For example, if I was to stay in Germany and the surgery result was really bad, which thankfully it wasn't, they don't have control. I could have stayed in Germany even if it was really bad. I could have gone against their will, but we had the plan in place. I hope that I gave them enough trust in me to be let's say, wise about it. It wasn't easy. There were a lot of different mm -hmm. situations. Like I was contemplating going to England to do the surgery because Australia and England have a much better healthcare system. Also, they speak English there, right? I still don't even know if I'm actually able to play football because I'm going off my own research because I, I can't see a doctor. I just moved to Budapest. Mm -hmm. So now I'm in a different country. There's all these different things and, and it, it really throws a spatter in the works for the parents. So even that, right? And and as I mentioned to you just before we started recording, I've actually made the decision to return back to Australia because of, uh, not because of the injury itself, but because of what that injury led to. The plan that I had didn't come to fruition because the injury was worse than I thought, even though it was the good scenario. I didn't have cancer. But that kind of, that that's, Mm. it's the control as a parent what do you think you would do in that situation if you were to if you could give any advice even to my parents who are listening potentially mm -hmm. how would you be in that situation when you when you can't control anything yeah um well i'm uh i'm sorry that you went through that experience especially alone uh i can imagine the 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 fear and um just the um, anxiety uh, and stress that you must have went through just having that experience uh, alone. Um, for me, I mean, in that situation, uh, I probably would have made the decision to uh, get you home, um, to either get you to another country or get you home uh, to where the I would have much better control over what the doctors are saying and doing because of 
you know, I'm an adult, right? I mean, you're an adult, obviously, but I'm an ad- I've, I've, I've got a lot more life experience than you. And so I've, I've had a lot more surgeries than you. I know, you know, how to talk to doctors, the things that we need to say. And, uh, so, you know, a young man like you might not have that experience or know what to do or say, or you just kind of have to accept what the doctors tell you and go along with it. Well, that might not be the best approach. Right. So that's not necessarily the best approach. And as a parent, uh, and, and this isn't, I mean, your, your parents did the best that they can do uh, in the situation that they were in. Uh, and the approach that they took uh, is obviously was the appropriate approach for you guys. For me, it would have been, I would have been, nope, uh, not, you're not doing that there. You're not doing it without us. Uh, we're getting you home immediately. I'm putting you on the next flight. You're coming home and we're going to go see uh, doctors here uh, that I know uh, that are in our area, you know, that kind of situation probably would have happened for me. If my sons were going through that situation, that's, uh, that's what I would have done. Uh, and that's just my own personal opinion. Like I said, your parents did the best they could do. What they did is not necessarily saying what they did was wrong. Uh, I'm just saying what I would have done was what, you know, just telling you, nope, you know what, Nick, I'm, uh, I know what you're saying. I know you got to go through this, but we're getting you home today, period. And if I, that means I've got to charter a jet myself to get you home, I'm going to get you home. Uh, and, and we're going to get handled over here. So, yeah, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly what my parents wanted. And oh, I, there you go. With, and you yeah, refused with full transparency. I did. And I think that they were okay with me doing that because. I had plans, right? And okay. I, I, I believe that I, I meticulously planned. The variables, all these different situations, they all come into fruition. I roll with it, but I'm rolling with meticulously planned variables. So whatever the variable is, I'm going to make the best out of it. And... I think that my parents were okay with this in the end. I worked it out with them because if it was to be the worst situation, then I, so the original surgery was just to find out. And then it was, if, oh, actually, I won't go into too much detail, but it's a very scary one. And looking back on it, maybe it was wiser to go home. Um, But to be fair, I did everything I could to make it work because bearing in mind, this was my dream to play football over in Europe. So for me to actually give up that opportunity, it took a lot and I didn't want to do it. I think most people would have um, gone back home, but I also pride myself in not doing that. So it's an interesting spit, but it's interesting also that I now have decided to go back home because of that decision. So... I'm glad that I did it over here because now I know that I could have gone back home. But for me, I never like being 50-50 about it. I always want to know that I've either done it the right way or I've done it the wrong way. And I can't say that it was the wrong way because I, I didn't know what would happen afterwards. But I don't have that regret and I don't have that feeling that I've left a stone unturned because I always want to leave every stone unturned. That's why me making this decision to go back home is so big because... I, you know, I don't want to be on that plane going back to Australia when I've got 22 hours 
flying in the air, and I'm thinking, I've just gone against the past five years of my planning because of some rash decision. I can't be doing that. So when I'm when I'm so when I'm so focused on making the most and being in control of my situation, I have to take into account for all of these possible variables. So having that control over the situation, no matter what it is, it's difficult. But I believe that the reason why my parents were okay with me going against what they wanted was because they saw that. Because eventually they agreed with me after a lot of convincing, bro. Let me tell you, it was a lot of phone calls. And I was just trying to get them to realize that, okay, whatever happens, I'm in control. We know the variables, but I'm going to make the best out of it. And thankfully, I, I did have time because, for example, if, with your son in the in the car crash, you didn't have time. That's that's a scary one. With cancer, I had a bit of time. I had it, you know, two weeks to get back home. That's not a problem. A car crash can be much worse. You know, you've got to be there in the five hours that it takes you to get there. So it's it's a tricky one. It's a very tricky one. And I think for parents, it's scary. But being okay with whatever the situation is, trust. And then also that trust comes from planning. I think it comes from, for example, with your son going to church and you see that, that that's garnering a sense of trust. My parents have that same trust in me because they see all the planning that I do. They see all the responsibility that I take, right? My parents don't pay for the, the trips that I do. They don't pay for my accommodation. I pay for everything myself. They see this trust that I've fostered and then they can also start to trust me to make decisions for myself and they know that I'll make the best decision out of it. No matter what, even if it's the wrong decision, I'll make the best out of that decision. So it's a crazy landscape to navigate on. Yeah, I think I think you know. Thinking back to um, what you were saying there about uh, you know them wanting to or probably insisting that you come home uh, to take care of this, um, that's you know that's a normal parent reaction, uh, and the fact that you were pushing back against their request, um, I'm gonna guess that the reason that you were doing that is because number one, you've been on your own for a while now and you're 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 tackling things and being responsible and and living your own life and doing your own things and being mature about things uh that you thought that yeah you could handle this part of it and number two uh you wanted to prove to your parents that hey i'm an adult and i live on my own now and i'll prove to you that i can handle this trust me i love you trust that uh that everything's going to be okay uh, allow me to go through this uh, on my own and trust that it'll be okay. Um, I think it was kind of that sense of pride in you. You wanted to show, you want to kind of like, hey, I want to prove to you that I can handle it. I can do it. Let me do this. And it's, like you said, it took a lot of phone calls to convince them. But I think I think I put my kids in your position where my kid had, had made those same uh, concessions to me and said, listen, let me do this on my own. Uh, I want to handle this on my own. I would have been like, uh, it would have been very hard to convince me. It would have been very hard. Uh, but knowing that you're an adult, um, I probably would have uh, said or insisted, okay, if you're going to do this on your own, uh, I'm going to let you, I'm going to allow that to happen because you're an adult. Uh, but Nick, I'm coming over there 
and I'm gonna we're, I'm gonna be there with you, uh, and we're gonna go through this together uh, there. So yes, we won't bring you home, but we are coming there because you need support, and you're on your own. So it's not so much of us trying, you know, parents trying to be in control of the situation. It's more about hey, you're going through a scary time right now, and the one thing that you need in your life is a support system around you to help you get through it. And that support system are two very important people in your lives, your mom and your dad. And they are everything to you. And if they're not there, it can be very scary. It can be very lonely. Uh, it can be very, uh, it can cause a lot of stress and anxiety just because they're not there. Mom and dad are not here. I'm having to do this on my own. So yes, for me as a parent, I'd have been like, okay, dude, that's fine, but I'm coming there because you need a support system around you and you need us to help, you know, even if it's just merely uh, to hold your hand or to, you know, cry to somebody or be scared to somebody that you trust, to show fear to somebody that you trust. Um, that's how, uh, that's, that would have been my approach as a, as a parent to yeah. um, I can't imagine the stuff that your parents are going through to have to experience that. Uh, I feel for them because uh, it's tough. Uh, you want to be that parent that says, hey, Nick's living his dream. He's trying to live his life. He's trying to live his dreams, trying to fulfill his, his, his life's dream. We have to allow him to do this. Whether he falls on his face or is very successful and becomes very successful at what he wants to do, we have to allow him to do it. Because that's what's going to help him grow and mature and become stronger as a person and as a human being, as an adult. So um, kudos for your parents for having that willpower to just allow you, I don't want to say allow because you're an adult, but to kind of, you know, have you go through that uh, on your own. I could imagine it was, a, it was tough for them, especially probably your mom, uh, especially hard yeah. for her. So yeah, no, I, I do a hundred percent agree with you. And Back to the one of my original points is I, I have the best parents. I really, I think that the trust that they have in me, which maybe I'm even doing myself a bit of discredit. I, I believe that I also earned that trust. But the, yeah. the appreciation that I have for my parents is founded in these, these roots, right? For example, this, this situation, I believe, is a perfect example for it. And you mentioned one thing that I found interesting, which was saying that I wanted to prove them that I could. What I would actually say that my approach was, was I actually saw a bit more of a challenge for me to prove to myself that I could do it because I've actually done all of these different things with taking control of football. Now, health, that's completely out of my depth. I've never had any bad health issues. I think it was my first surgery since I was six years old when I knocked this tooth out. I've got a weird tooth here and that's that. That's the first surgery. I don't even remember it. Um, but this was the first massive thing that I had no experience with. And if I'm honest, I prided myself in dealing with all of these um, horrible situations that I put myself in. For example, I didn't need to leave home when I was 15, but I pride myself in taking that leap. I pride myself in taking these hard decisions, but I had never been confronted with the decision that was forced upon me. And if I'm being fully transparent, it's... I actually wanted to take this opportunity to see if I could do it by myself. And I believe I did. And it's 
it's very it's not easy it's very difficult i don't think many would have done it because right. again I'm, I'm i'm in a foreign country i'm in i had to get myself to and from the surgery so just on public transport yeah. i had to then uh get food so uh it was a very intrusive surgery in a very intrusive location if you're picking up what i'm putting down and it's sure. not easy to get food i had to do all of these things be responsible for myself thankfully i had a friend who was helping me out because uh i was still in in this very small town where i played football um so i did have a teammate from the, the team who i used to play for helping me out he was able to take me from the surgery but everything else i i took it as a challenge to prove to myself that whatever situation happens i can deal with it and i can make the best out of it and i think that even that maybe this is where my parents can relax a little bit of course as you mentioned my mum would be going through it and i think she she definitely was uh but these types of situations can help and going into the next situation where something like this happens again well, we know I can do it. We know that maybe if I can't right. do it, then we know the next variable, right? So there's all these different variables. Right. And at the end of the day, I think the most important thing is learning, right? I learn from it. Yeah. I move on and we just improve. We just improve. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's funny when you talk about that. It just brings me back to when I was, you know, I, I spent four years in the military. And uh, so I was away from home for those four years. Uh, and... I had an experience when I was in the military uh, where I had a I had a hernia, and went to the military uh, the medical uh, facility on base, and the doctor told you know you have a hernia you're gonna have to have surgery, and when I broke that news to my parents that I have to have surgery, um, my mom immediately wanted to uh, come down uh, to where I was at and and help me through it. She first she wanted me to come home and I told her I couldn't I'm in the military I can't just leave, uh, so. I don't get that. I don't get that privilege to just leave and, and go. I'm 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 stuck here on base, um, and she insisted on coming down. And I told her that's not possible either. They're not going to let you uh, on base. They're not going to let you do these things. You just have to let me do this on my own. Um, and so I had to go through. Obviously, it's not cancer. It's just a hernia. You know, it's an easy easy operation to fix it. Um, but I had to go through it on my own. I had no support system around me. Fortunately, I had a friend, a good friend that was in the, you know, that worked in the same uh, shop that I was in on base and he, he was married and, uh, he had a house and his wife was, uh, kind enough to allow me to stay with them, uh, while I was recovering. Uh, but he came to the hospital with me and he, I went through surgery. He waited. And then when I was done with surgery and could go home, he brought me back to his house and allowed me to sleep in the bed where they literally slept in other beds or on the couch or something. They, he allowed me, he put me in his bed to recover for a few days. And, uh, you know, so I had that, I had that help, uh, but I was alone and it was a scary time. I was alone. I didn't have my parents around me. Uh, and at the time, you know, that was back again, back when there was no cell phones. So, um, none of that stuff took place where I could communicate with them as much. Um, so I can imagine it was scary for you and for your parents. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's life's a crazy thing. And as I said before, I think when I'm talking about life just gets in the way. You know, we don't, Yeah. we can, we can do as much as we want. We can control as much as we can, but life wins, you know? So the best, 
the best thing that we can do is make the most out of the situation. And yeah, I think that it's all we can do. But the last thing that I've got for the episode, being aware of the time as well, is what are three ways that you sculpt yourself on a daily basis, which is anything in terms of how you try to get better as a human being, as a dad, whatever it is, three ways that you sculpt to yourself on a daily basis. Um, yeah, I can give you three, but I, 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 there's a ton that I do on a daily basis. My, my goal in life is to make sure that I'm at least a 1% better than I was the day before. If I'm a, if I'm a 1% better than I was the day before, imagine that compounded over a year, how much better I'll be a year from now, uh, than I was right now. Right. Um, so I'm always trying to find ways to improve myself uh, and work on myself. And that's a daily uh, routine. That's a daily activity. I work out every single day. Uh, today's 299 days this this year, 299 days this year that I've worked out every single day. So I exercise every single morning, uh, and whether it's go for a run, uh, yoga, stretching, uh, weights, whatever the case may be, I do that uh, every single day. Uh, the second thing that I do is I journal. And the journaling that I do, I actually do it first thing in the morning when I wake up. And the reason that I do that is it allows my mind to really uh, release any stress or anxiety that I'm thinking about. Because typically, when people wake up, what do they what do they think about when they first wake up? It's not what am I having for breakfast. It's not um, what am I going to do uh, tomorrow. It's what do I need to take care of today. What is it that I need to handle today? That is 99% of the time what people think about when they first wake up. And what that does is that causes a lot of stress. Uh, it causes a lot of, not panic, but can it can cause panic, but it causes a lot of anxiety. And so I'm a firm believer in journaling. So when I first wake up and those thoughts are starting to come into my head, when I'm opening my eyes, I grab my, my <clears throat> notebook and I have, I keep, I literally have like three or four notebooks. Here's one of them right here that I keep. I, that I keep right with me. I have one on my nightstand. I have one in, uh, that I take with me during the day when I'm gone during the day. I have one here in my studio. I mean, they're all over the place. And because I want to be able to get these thoughts out of my head and on a paper so that I can focus on the things that I need to focus on. So that's the reason why I journal first thing in the morning when I wake up, get the thoughts out on paper so I can move on with my day and I'm not constantly thinking about that stuff. Um, so that's the second thing. Uh, the third thing that I do is I abs uh, I'm absolutely a firm believer in reading. Um, I have to make sure that I'm reading something to help me get better as a human being. And uh, I've got a just a just laundry list of books that I'm going through right now. One of them is uh, I've got two books right here that I'm reading. Um, one of them is the Maxwell um, Bible that I'm going through. Um, you can see all the little tabs and everything there. And then the other one that my wife and I actually read together every single night is love and respect. And this helps us work on our relationship as a, as a couple. Um, so these are two things that I do. Or those are two books that I'm just reading right now. Um, but yeah, reading, working out and journaling. Those are the three things that I do every single day to make me uh, make sure that I'm getting better each and every day. Amazing. I, I love the point about the 1% better every single day. Uh, it's quite cool the the project that i'm working on at the moment which is called the sculpted app is focusing on this it's talking about the sculpting score so you have 10 trackers where you're essentially grading yourself on a uh let's say a scale and 100 percent being 
you know, the highest level that you can get for that day and you're sculpting. And then for every single day that you're accumulating, getting above 80% of your sculpting score, this then follows into a streak and this goes and compounds over time so that the amount of points that you get, then you get more and more points for more and more days so that you become more and more efficient. You're able to track it. And then the other thing that I'm doing, which is, this is new for the listeners as well, by the way, which is why I'm quite excited here, is that we're then incentivizing people to do this. So for example, the thing that I'm working on at the moment, aside from the app is sculpted sneakers and the clothing line. So I'm doing all of these specific things to incentivize people to work harder and to be smarter. So I, I really like the, the phrase work harder and smarter. I don't think anyone really is known for saying that, but I'm going to claim it. Right. And that's what sculpting is. <laughs> and yeah, I, I like the point when you're talking about the compound effects, because you're right. It's, it is a compound effect when you are getting better and better every single day. You said day 299, that's your streak, right? If we're thinking about that 1% at the beginning of the year, maybe that 1% is now 3%. And you're improving 3% every day now, that compound, well, over, let's say, a lifetime, the improvement level is ridiculous. You know, what one day, what one good day for me might look like could be 20 minutes for you. It's crazy, right? So yeah. there, there's so many... Cool no, the compound effect is... Yeah, the compound... I didn't mean to cut you off. The compound effect is so... I mean, think about it this way. I, You know, it doesn't have to be 1%. Maybe it's maybe it's just a little bit. Maybe it's less than 1%. Yeah. It's just a little bit better than I was yesterday, right? Imagine that compounding over a year, but let's take it a step further. A lot of people don't think about a year in advance. Maybe a lot of people think 30 days in advance. Okay, well, think about 30 days from now if you're just focusing on getting 1% better each day in 30 days from now, how much better you'll be than you were right now at this very minute, think about what if you didn't do that? Okay, so now I'm not focusing on getting 1% better every day. I'm not going to focus on trying to get better every day. I'm just going to focus on living, right? Well, now 30 days from now, you're still in the same boat you were in. But had you focused on getting just a little bit better each day or 1% better each day, imagine how much further you'll better be better imagine how much further you'll be 30 days from now so it's it's crazy time goes by fast and 30 days is 30 days i just pulled up a statistic for you that i recently researched so this is based off the app that i'm developing so if you are doing a basic very basic level let's say living i call these uh revival days and then anything below so anything below a 50 percent sculpting score is a revival day. Anything between 51% and 79% is your maintenance days. So I would call those types of days where you're just living, those are maintenance days. So the difference between someone who was getting a maintenance day with no streak, let's say, the difference between that, where there's no streak involved, right? It's just inconsistent work, maintenance, sculpting, maybe a revival day here and there. If we're comparing that, yeah, if we're comparing that to someone who is doing it just a little bit better, just a little bit better, right? We're talking about that 0.01%. The difference in right. CP, which is the, the term that I have for the sculpted app, which is called crafting points. So 1% one, 1 every single day right. is equal to 1 CP. So if you're doing it at a very low level and here, there, and everywhere, at the end of a year, you could have 86,000 CP. And this is a very low level. Now, if you're doing it just a little bit better, the compound effect 
gives you 40,000 more seats. Could be 120,000 by the end of the year. Just by, sorry, this is at the end of five years. My apologies. At the end of the five year difference is 40,000. So that's one and a half. So 120,000. That's one and a half percent, one and a half times better just by doing a little bit extra. That's crazy. And I know what I think. And the thing is, is I understand that. I understand that concept. I understand that way of thinking. Uh, I, I get that totally live by it, totally understand it, totally want to be in that, you know, kind of that mindset. Uh, but unfortunately, majority of the population doesn't think like that. Majority of the population is just living. Majority of the population is just trying to get by. And yeah. it's crazy to think that, yeah, you are trying to get by, but you're always going to try, you're always going to be trying to get by if you're not focused on trying to get better and that's going to be your life and to me that's a miserable way to live it really is a miserable way to live i don't i don't understand how people can accept that because uh we talk about it you know throughout this episode my lord and savior didn't put me on this earth to just try to get by he created me to do something great he created me to do something special he created me in my own uniqueness to help change the world, help make the world a better place. And I'm a firm believer in he created all of us for that same purpose. He created all of us in our own uniqueness. Nick, you have something special in you that the Lord has created in you for you to uncover. It's your responsibility to uncover it. It's not his, it's yours. But you have to take that responsibility to heart. You have to take it seriously. And if you're just trying to get by, you're never going to figure it out. And you're going to, life's just going to be average. Why would you want to live an average and ordinary life? I want to live an extraordinary life. And I want my boys, my sons to live an extraordinary life. So I have to instill in them these concepts of trying to just get a little bit better each and every day. So... For sure. And to be clear to the listeners, when Brian says that I have something special, he's not talking about me, just Nick. He's saying everyone. Everyone has something special in them, and it's their duty to find out what that is. Now, I believe you know Jeff Volpus as well, and he, yes. we had a conversation. I know, I know, I know Jeff very well. <laughs> yeah. And we, we actually spoke about this. He, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Um, yeah. We spoke about this in our episode that we did. And we spoke about how you're doing a disservice to God if you're not giving your best every single day because right. he, that's not what he wanted for us. We actually have to take accountability for it. And me not giving 100% every single day or giving more than 100%, then I'm, I'm not just cheating myself, I'm cheating him. And that's one reason why I believe that sculpting, the word that I have for sculpting is important. And I talk about how religion is such a key component of that. And yeah, I guess it's an exciting concept. This is where I want to help people with it because I think that, as you mentioned, most people are just living their lives, you know, not thinking about it, just living. And I can't say it's a problem, but I think that it could be done better. And that's what sculpting is. That's what sculpted is. It's a, I want it to be a movement. I want people to resonate like resonate like you do you know 
And that's kind of my mission, I think. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you got to keep keep pursuing that mission, man. That's what you got to do. Yep. Keep doing it. 100%. 100%. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. As, as I said, I, I, I was really keen to have this chat because most of my chats are to this level of, of, of resonating with, you know, someone. We're talking about typically football or how you can improve your nutrition or things like this, which is great, but I don't have these types of conversations. So I really appreciate your time. And I hope that the listeners also got some valuable stuff out of it. And yeah, thank you so much. Well, Nick, thank you very much for having me on. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you're necessarily, what your topics are each and every week. You're talking about football, uh, talking about, you know, eating healthy and uh, taking care of your body so you can perform at a very uh, high level elite uh, uh, athletic performance. Uh, just because that's the majority of your episodes doesn't mean that what we talked about today isn't important. I mean, we talked about a lot of things when it comes to parenting, but at the same time, this really revolves around how I am as a human being and how I can manage to be better, not only for myself, but for my kids and my family. That's, that's part of life. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete, doesn't matter if you're a podcaster. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher, a doctor, whatever the case may be, you need to make sure that you're focusing on you and how you're making your life better because it ultimately impacts all of us. It ultimately impacts your family and you're changing, you're, you change people's lives, especially when you're focusing on your family, you change people's lives. So keep doing what you're doing, Nick. I'm really proud of you and uh, really, uh, really excited to watch your journey uh, continue. And um, I wish you all the best. And if there's anything I can ever do to support you in any way, please make sure you reach out to me um, so I can do that for you. All right. Thank you so much, Brian. It has been on off again, and I hope that everyone listening got as much out of it as I did. So thank you so much again, Brian. I really appreciate it.